founder, speaker, digital content weapon. That is JB. How are you, mate? What is up? Thank you very much for having me on the show. Appreciate it. Mate, I um, instantly I can already tell you're a professional. Your audio is sounding a lot clearer than mine. Clearly, you did not <laughs> go for the um, the Audio Technica ATR 21. 100 usb whatever you got rolling there on the mic it is aggressive is that the road what is that? it is yeah the road uh, procaster that's right running through a focus right uh, scarlet solo uh, preamp yep figured you had done one of those all right yeah. good shit um how do you describe yourself to people uh you know i think ultimately what i do is is translate sophisticated marketing and business concepts so that the maximum number of people can understand and implement them. Uh, I don't necessarily invent the future or diagnose the future, but I take the near future and explain it so that everybody can put it into practice. But uh, as you said, I, I'm involved in a lot of things. So I run a, a large consulting company and, and I'm a multiple podcaster and video series and author and speaker and all those things. So you know, every, every hour of every day is different. And that's how I like it. Do you color code your energy based on what hats you need to wear throughout the week? Great question. No, I tend to have a pretty consistent energy level, which is good news in terms of being able to execute on a lot of things. Bad news in terms of my team and my family having to be around me because I don't, uh, I don't let up much, and I don't, uh, I don't give other people the opportunity to let up much either, which is both a character strength and weakness. You seem like the dude that will get up at like two or three in the morning, have have a quick note down, and constantly have to just get things out of your brain with some type of formula. Do you have a methodology for? keeping things out of your brain and, and into into the real world yeah man you totally nailed it that's exactly what <laughs> i do um so so when things happen that i'm like i've got to you know i've got to remember that uh i have certainly gotten up in the middle of the night and written things down because i can't sleep until i write it down and, like take it out yep uh, but i actually have um i use wonderlist um okay. which is now part of uh, microsoft um and it's i like that app because it's it, it syncs between my phone and my laptop seamlessly. And so I'm, I'm constantly, you know, not, I use it as a to-do list, but also just as sort of a, a collection of things I, I want to get to at some point or, or ponder or ideas or concepts. And it's a, it's a real crazy list, right? It's, it's yeah. things for clients, it's things for us. It's things that have nothing to do with what I do right now. Like I want to start an agave flavored barbecue sauce company. So I'm like, okay, that's in there. Like there's, there's a lot of random <laughs> stuff in there. No, I, I get, it. I've been having this idea around when, when you're, when creation's in your DNA, I'm really intrigued in the the work processes that people do to, yeah. for how they work. You yeah. know, like I've got a, a CEO friend of mine who he uses his sent inbox as his to-do list. And I'm like, what? Interesting. He's like, well, at the end of every day, I, um, I send all of my stuff out and I delete it all except for those that I know I want my response back. And if they don't respond back, it gives them a notification in his sent wow. every couple of days. And he goes, he knows if I've sent someone an email and it hasn't been actioned within two days, I then know that he's or she hasn't listened to whatever. And so that's what he uses as his follow-up. Wow. And just, there's all these like little, little hacks. So my one yeah. is I'll, um, if I get something in my head, I will um, put it as a event on my calendar the next day before seven o'clock. So it'll mm -hmm. stack up from like seven till mid midnight. And then when I, when I rock home, then I, I, I plug them in that way. But there's all these different, like, I don't know, stuff like that really intrigues me anyway. Yeah. That's amazing <laughs> too. Cause I'm old enough, uh, to have been a professional before any of that stuff existed. Right. And so it literally was, you know, post-it notes and, and, you know, daily planners, like, you know, written planners yeah, and all yeah. those other kind of, kind of systems. And it's interesting to see how people have, have embraced technology and, 
and used it for those kind of things. When I used to blog a lot, I don't write for our blog as much anymore. Uh, I, I tend to do more other kinds of content now, but I used to write four or five blog posts a week and I did every week for nine years, I think. And, and so I'd always have a list on my phone of ideas for blog posts. And the problem was the shorthand was too short. And I, and I'd look in the list, I'm like, what the hell does this mean? Like, what it was, yeah. what is like, what does peanut butter pricing mean? Like, I don't What was I thinking? Was I drunk when I wrote this down? Like, I don't know. So I, I started to write like, okay, what if I have the idea? And then the first sentence, then, then at least I could remember what the premise was. Being able to decode the crazy is, is, is an art. So you've clearly got it down. <laughs> I don't know about on, that. On, on, your, on your LinkedIn, it says you've been recently inducted into the Professional Speaking Hall mm -hmm. of Fame. Yeah. That is like legit. <laughs> so so how do you get to that? So what, A, I don't even know that was a thing. Mm. B, how long have you been speaking for? And C, how much, how you clearly must be a weapon to be able to do it. So congrats. Thanks. Uh, it's weird. I, I've been a speaker since I was a kid, even when I was in, in high school, secondary school. Uh, I, I, I was the one who everybody would say, well, we need somebody to be the MC of the talent show or the assembly and Jay will do it. He's not scared of a microphone. So I've, I've been sort of a speaker for a really, really long time. But I didn't think it was really an occupation uh, until much, much later in life. In fact, I didn't give a paid presentation until I was 40 years old, which is much, much, much older than most people who are mm. professional speakers. And so I went from have never, having never done it for money um, to, to being in the Hall of Fame in, in 10 years flat, which is really, really unusual. And, and I've been so, so fortunate uh, to work with a lot of great clients. I have an amazing agent and a lot of other things have happened uh, for me and many amazing speakers who have been doing it for decades uh, sort of took me under their wing and showed me the ropes of the business because it really is a business. Uh, and so there's no way I could have gotten there on on my own. But the Professional Speakers Hall of Fame is part of the National Speakers Association. Uh, and each year they they elect another three to five people. There are I think 195 members of the speaking hall of fame in the world. So it's not a very big club. It's a real honor to be, to be part of it. And uh, it's cool to have gotten to meet uh, a lot of the other living members uh, and see what they do because everybody speaks on different topics, right? People who are sales speakers and leadership speakers and motivational speakers and marketing speakers like me. Uh, it's uh, it's pretty cool. So perfect to segue into the, the marketing world. Um, what's a, Pre-COVID, what was the biggest shift you've seen in marketing in the last 12 months? The last 12 months, that's just, um, I would say it, it's it's a it's a shift that's taken longer than that, but has accelerated dramatically. I would say two two things that are kind of interrelated. One is a full shift to video. Yep. And second is a greater societal embrace of short form. So Ooh, you, you, okay. you had, um, you know, you had Snap and then you had Instagram, but now with TikTok being used not just as a social network, but really as an entertainment platform. And now just in the last three weeks, uh, Quibi, which is the new video platform yeah. out of Hollywood from Jeffrey Katzenberg, where every episode is, is uh, yeah, is seven or eight minutes. I actually love it. I'm a huge fan of Quibi. I think it's dope. 
Uh, like it's totally on trend. Tough time to launch a new thing during COVID, but I think it's absolutely spot on. It's like Netflix with for the short attention span crowd. Uh, so this idea that you can tell stories from a brand perspective in 10 seconds or seven minutes or anything in between, uh, I think is not going to change. I think that will be the uh, the, the leading way that, that brands communicate forever. Just quickly on um, the, the Quibi thing. So that, um, is it all shot vertically? I haven't actually seen it yet. No, so here's the thing that's super interesting about it. And, and I'm not exactly sure how they do it technically, but it's crazy. So uh, you can turn your phone and it instantly, and I mean instantly like faster almost than your eye can catch it, will reorient the show. It's, it is the fastest reorientation I've ever seen it on any app on an iPhone. So if you're watching an episode like this and you do the quick turn, it will reorient it and you don't even miss a frame. It's wild. I'm not sure how they do it, but it is really impressive. So it doesn't matter. So this, the, the way the shows are shot, they're shot to, which really is an interesting directing challenge, right? I'd like to see it yeah, behind, yeah, yeah. That's what gonna behind the scenes, yeah, behind the scenes on how they frame. Um, I'd love to see that because you've got to frame it, frame your action so that it works tight but also works um, landscape. It's really cool. I was gonna, uh, I was genuinely interested with that, with how they would do their, um, their frame in 69 this way, but then the obviously, because yeah. there's always that that cut of, you've seen kind of the weaker versions where they'll do like a long form interview or something, they do a cut down one by one to go on Instagram, but then all of a sudden you've seen half of people's faces because it's right. framed for 16 yes. by nine, not that. Yes. So, it, so if you're saying it goes both ways and they've, almost like there's a wording for it i'm just gonna double, let's call it double frame they've double framed it for vert and, and horizontal that's it yeah it, it, it's it, got to be that they've given all their creators sort of a kit right like here's mm. here's the schema that you need to follow for this to work I, i'm i don't know that to be true but i certainly assume it is true uh because they've got tons of different production companies creating content in there so i'm sure they've given them some guidelines on how to make it work it's it's really it, it reminds me of um uh the personalized video that vidyard does we do a lot of work with those guys and yep. and and so it'll say hey what's going on jay and it goes across the screen um you can shoot those videos pretty easily but you do have to follow some rules in the shoot to make sure you've set it up right where they can put in the insertion of the name the company name the event name whatever uh you can't just like freestyle it and then like here you go insert name doesn't work like that so yeah you have to have some creative guidelines interesting so Outside of Quibi moving forward, obviously that's I mean challenging time to launch it through a time like this through through COVID. So speaking of COVID and it comes to digital marketing, in the last so in New Zealand we're a small market, right? a couple million people, um, very I guess um, you know got, got a lot of sort of traditional stuff, but then now everything going to the cloud, it's almost like it's mm. it's sort of flattened out the global train tracks of how business can be can be done yeah. through through a whole bunch of commerce platforms, SaaS plays ecom, yada yada yada. How where do you think the biggest shift is going to happen in terms of spend when it comes to marketing after COVID AC? Where do you think dollars are going to go to 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 most? I think it's two things. One would be uh, influencer content, influencer marketing. The idea that that one of the things that COVID has done is sort of frayed the trust fabric. So so consumers of all kinds are less trusting of businesses, organizations, certainly governments than they were pre-COVID, maybe less so um, in New Zealand because the government's handled things pretty well there as I understand it. But but this idea that, that trust has been rewired, I think is pretty foundational. And so we already saw a shift from 
from kind of proactive, the company is going to spend money on marketing and advertising to how can the company partner with influencers, whatever that means in your category, to get them to spread the word about the company. I think that will absolutely continue. And then the other thing, when you start wondering about employment and jobs and profitability in marketing, we are already starting to see an adoption of, of artificial intelligence, big data and machine learning in marketing and digital. And I think that's gonna really double or triple in, in speed because if, if a brand or an agency or anybody else can accomplish the same or more, with fewer people, they're absolutely going to look at that right now. And and at the same time, you have so many MarTech, AdTech startups that really have AI and machine learning at their core, which purport to provide not only uh, less manpower necessary, but also better results. Yeah, the, it, in many ways, you know, COVID is going to be a vehicle for change for many different businesses to try a whole bunch of new stuff, shift out a bunch of the old guard, rewire, reframe what the new world can kind of look like. Yeah, man, it's super scary, but it's also a huge opportunity is the way I look at it. I mean, we will we will never, ever, well, I hope, let me say that, I hope we will never, ever, ever have this kind of opportunity in our lifetimes. But, but whatever the rules of the game were and whatever your place was in that game, you can you can kiss that goodbye because the game is going to be different and the rules are going to be different. So if you weren't happy with how it was before, this is your chance to do something about it um, because you're not going to get that kind of chance anytime soon, hopefully. I think you said a good point before, Jay, around, you know, tr trust has been rewired. I really like that, that, that wording. How else do you think, what else do you think has been rewired from a marketing standpoint moving in after COVID? Well, customer expectations, for sure. The things that we take for granted and have for a long, long time uh, are, are being fundamentally re-examined. Uh, we have a lot of clients in higher education, colleges and universities, which is a an enormous business uh, in the U.S., different than in other parts of the world. Uh, it's super competitive, tons of money spent on marketing and communications. Uh, and, and now you've got these prospective students who who want to enroll in a university and and spend or their parents spend or somebody's going to spend, you know, somewhere between one hundred and twenty and, um, you know, four hundred thousand dollars in the next four or five years. It's a massive purchase. It's like buying a home in many cases. And they can't even go to the university. Right. They, they can't even go look at it right now. Uh, so so how do you communicate to that audience? How do you allow them to make smart choices? Uh, you know, how do we rewire our expectations around um, gatherings or even eating out? Like one of the things I was talking to a friend about the other day is now when you order a pizza, for example, uh, you, they, they bring you the pizza. That's kind of how it's always been. But then when they get to your home or your flat or whatever, they send you a text message and they then you get kind of get into this hostage negotiation of, of where where they're going to leave the pizza. Right. Is it going to be on the back patio, the front patio, under the flower pot? Like it's like this whole this whole crazy conversation via text you never used to have to have. Uh, but that's the kind of thing you're like, that's going to stay like I, I don't need to face to face meet the pizza guy ever. You know, we we can have no COVID, but that that's one of the things that that expectation that someone's going to hand you hand to hand pass you a pizza, that's that's never coming back. Uh, I read an article today in the New York Times about 
when they reopen restaurants, uh, they think it's going to be all single serving condiments and, um, and such, right? So never again, a ketchup bottle uh. on the table where we all use the same ketchup bottle or even salt and pepper shakers. And I'm like, okay, I need to buy stock in whoever makes the tiny salt packets. Those guys are going to make a billion dollars in the next two years. Yeah. Interesting. The, the, customer experience the expectations we, we had um a, a very well-known uh, new zealand um entrepreneur on called um, um janine crossan and so she was basically talking about there's going to be this new kind of um a culture of um a fear economy a fear-based economy mm. um where everyone's going to be fearful of you know touch and, and she works a lot in the beauty space so you know manicures here all this stuff like anything that's getting close to you and i think it's just going to obviously reset all of the different um deliverables and expectations and and reviews and safety and hygiene standards it, it's going to elevate all those different things which you wouldn't necessarily th thought about I, I mean i was wondering you know looking at what you've done in, in in the landscape and the big businesses that you've worked with and all the all the kind of the big shit after this, how do you th what do you think the biggest difference is going to be between, I guess, how big brands will approach marketing to small, small brands like before and after? Do you think there'll be much of a shift, or do you think it'll be um, it'll be same same? Um, I mean, the the big guys will be able to implement technology faster, right? So insofar as you accept the premise that AI and machine learning will get things back on track quicker, and that big brands will be able to spend money to kind of restart customer relationships and so far as that's necessary, I think big companies will have an advantage. They will have the financial resources to say, hey, first we're gonna cut our advertising, but then when we start to come out of this, we're gonna triple down on advertising to just sort of get that spike back and, and restart customer relationships. That's a real advantage. But if you also accept the premise that that you mentioned a moment ago with, with high touch businesses, look, as I understand it, recovery from, from COVID is not likely to be this, right? It's likely to be this um, geographically, circumstantially. Um, there's going to be certain industries that have different rules. And then if you get a hotspot breaks out in one area, then they got to kind of roll back and all those things. If you accept that, that it's not going to be a, 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 a static line, it's going to be a wavy line, then, then smaller businesses have an enormous advantage because they're so much more nimble about their communications or can be. Also, if you, if you believe that, that what people really crave right now is humanity, and I think this is absolutely true, this is what we're advising all of our big clients to do, the smaller companies have the ability to speak to prospective customers at a human level in a way that larger companies really struggle with. So I would love to be a company where you can say, all right, we're going to do a series of Instagram posts talking about um, uh, kind of the future and, and our role in the world. And, and these are just going to be videos from the owner of the company, Go!, that has, or or from customers of the company or business partners or employees, that has emotional resonance that that an ad from a big company simply doesn't have. So um, big companies have a budget and speed advantage. Small companies have a humanity advantage. Yeah, depth over width. You know, story yeah. behind, I keep calling about like story behind the story. And especially after this, like, so, you know, in New Zealand, um, you know, it's obviously a small economy, but the, the depth of the relationships It'd be the same in this in a hyper hyper local sort of environment as it would anywhere else in, mm -hmm. in America with those the local town store where you go get your groceries or where you get the coffee in the, in the certain side. That's going to be something to to really. Well, I think it's going to be interesting to see where the 
the depth will sort of rain through and hopefully give a bit more sustainability and well, security. Well, you would think, right? Business. You would think those local guys will come back, right? That that the community will disproportionately support themselves, right? That that's why there's such a uproar here in the states about big companies getting uh, government money, right? B- because it just felt unfair, right? It's like, look, mm. this money is for local companies in our own community who are a fabric of the community in order to survive. And, and people were genuinely mad when, you know, some companies who don't meet that test were, were being supported in the first round of bailout money. And so you, you, you would like to think um, that, that local business will be supported disproportionately coming back because people don't want to imagine their own community without that fabric of local yeah. businesses. Um, but yet they're certainly, you know, facing some daunting challenges with cash flow and a lot of other things. Mm. Um, before we go, one kind of like fast final question. If you're a small business right now after COVID in Luo, New Zealand, um, and you got 10,000 bucks to spend mm-hmm. to rejig and, and rechange where the direction of your business is going to go, how would you spend that $10,000? Did you say this is uh, pre pre post COVID? What what is the, what's the yeah. period of time? Yeah, uh, after COVID. Yeah, from yeah. from now if, if you're in New Zealand. Um, I would take that ten thousand dollars, and I would interview. I, I would invite back every single person. Let me say this a cleaner way. Um, I would invest all ten thousand of those dollars in people who have been customers in the past. The the number one thing you have to focus on right now is to keep every customer you've ever had. You don't even need to be worrying about getting new customers. What you have to be worrying about is not churning people who have already given you money in the past. So all kinds of promotions, discounts, special offers, you know, early access, whatever business you're in, for anybody who's already on your list in your database is a known customer. And every time those previous customers who are returning come back, I would create as much content as possible with them. I would I would do a very robust set of customer interviews, not only to understand what their needs are and to make sure you're still meeting their new needs, but also creating a dripped content sequence in social media, email, website, and beyond which tells their stories because the stories of your customers and how you help them are actually more important, more persuasive and more powerful than your own story. And that was why they pay you the big bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe no, I, I agree though. The, um, the idea of, you know, I call it story behind the story and just getting yeah. like, yeah, the depth it, it's, um, you know, now when everyone's, I guess, in some ways trying to look out for their own, the, the hyper-local resiliency that's going to be required and, and just the genuine empathy to support those that are close to you and your business is going to be pretty pretty key. Um, if people want to check out more, obviously you've got your website and stuff, jbear.com, yep. A before the, before the E. Um, any other stuff uh, you want to last little words for Luo New Zealand? Yeah, best, uh, best site for us actually is convinceandconvert.com, which is our uh, primary uh, site, convinceandconvert.com. We have... <sighs> 4,000 articles for business owners and, and managers uh, about all things marketing and customer experience. 
Uh, my most recent book is called Talk Triggers. It's all about the power of word of mouth, more important than ever. Also, one other recommendation, uh, a book I wrote a few years ago is actually more relevant than ever today. It's called Utility, Y-O-U-T-I-L-I-T-Y, Utility. And it's all about the power of being helpful and why helping beats selling. And just like we talked about with uh, hyperlocal and, and empathy, uh, that formula, that recipe, which I first uh, wrote about uh, at the very beginning of the inbound marketing movement is absolutely going to be the savior for tons of businesses uh, going forward. Absolutely, John. Hey, I appreciate it, brother. I know you're a busy man, so I'm stoked that you could um, take the time. Man, I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Congratulations uh, on the show. Nice to have you over here stateside, at least temporarily. We'll, we'll, uh, we won't keep you longer than we need to. <laughs> Sweet. Thanks, bro. All right, man. Talk soon. Cheers. Appreciate it, brother. You bet. Peace. Jay Bear. What a brain. Pretty onto it. Uh, good thoughts, good times. I appreciate uh, tuning in, everyone, and I'll see you on the next one. Have a good day, team. Peace.